First Peter chapter number one. And we're going to read the first few verses here together. But while you're turning there, I want to tell you about what's been happening in the world at this time. In First Peter, you know, as, as we're kind of coming, I guess, in the order of your Bible, you're kind of coming towards the end of it. You know, as you can tell, you're pretty far back there in your scriptures. Um, you know, Jesus has came. He called his disciples and the Lord traveled around the earth, you know, for some 30 years or so until he was a full grown adult there. And and he went to the Rome. He went to the uh, to Pilate there and he was he was judged. They considered him to be someone that committed blasphemy. People hated him. The Jews hated him. And they put him on a Roman cross. And they crucified him. He died. Three days later, he rose again. And folks, let me tell you, those three days later, those men that he were very, very close to, Peter was one of them, they saw the tomb where they laid him. They laid his dead body there. And it was, suddenly it was gone. <laughs> it wasn't there. And folks, let me tell you, when Peter and when his constituents there, when they saw that the tomb was empty, it lit a fire in their hearts. They went and they did the things that Christ had told them to do. They were convinced of Christ, that he had been rose again, and that, boy, he was, he was the Savior of the world. And let me tell you, at that time, this was something that was, that was new. I mean, no, no one else had ever done this before. And Peter, he was looked at as someone that was probably kind of an oddball. And then we find ourselves over in the book of Acts. God gave these men specific power to be able to do things that no one else had done. They were able to, to cast out demons. They were able to heal the sick. They were able to uh, speak in languages that no one had ever taught them before. And they were spreading the gospel around the world. And folks, Rome became kind of a, a center of this place. If you remember in that day, you ever heard the expression that all roads lead to Rome? Yeah, we've, we've heard that before. Rome was such a, uh, a well-known and massive empire in that day. It was kind of the, the center of the cultural world. I mean, that, that's where a lot of things went on. You remember the Roman Colosseum? This was about 10 years before that was built. That was this place. That was this day. And so here, these people... I probably should switch that and say our people. Folks, these are the people that we follow after. These Christians. Peter. These men that founded the church as we know it today. These are our people. They became known as the oddballs. The kooks that we would say. These people that were full of superstition. These people that were full of religion. I was talking this morning in Sunday school about a Roman historian who was alive during that day. It was his job to record the history of that time. And I read something that was translated from his language into English where he was talking about the Christians and how he was talking about the emperor of that day, this guy named Nero in this passage we're getting ready to read. And they were talking about how this group of Christians, how they became kind of somewhat of a, a burr in Emperor Nero's saddle. He didn't like this guy. I mean, he, he didn't like these Christians at all. And they were, they were these superstitious people that were following this man Jesus that Rome hung on the cross several years back. They were following this guy. And folks, let me tell you, Nero, not only was he someone that just hated Christians, he was, he was mentally unstable. Let's put it that way. We find out after he was in power for roughly 14 years, he ended up committing suicide in his 30s. He was someone that, if you study historically, there was a great fire of Rome. You know, maybe some of you have heard this. A major portion of Rome burned to the ground. 
And that was during Nero's day. And there were a couple different theories, but mainly they either say it was caused by Nero, that he was the one that started the fire of his own people, his own place, or it was something that was somewhat orchestrated by him, that he allowed it to happen and knew what was going on. But it was a very politically, you know, there's a lot of turmoil going on at that time. In any case, once the fire was put out and it was all done, they're looking at this guy, they're looking at their leader, trying to figure out how are we going to rebuild? Who caused this? What was the purpose of it? Of course, you know, people died. I mean, this was a massive fire. He turned and he blamed it on this religious group that no one really liked. He blamed it on the Christians. And there were several of these people in that time that were put on trial. And because of their testimony of saying, yeah, you know, we follow after the Lord. And of course, it was more or less the same type of trial that Jesus went through. You know, that ended up condemning and making all followers of Christ in that day guilty. If you were someone that was a follower of Christ, if you were someone in that day that you believed the things of God, that you followed after the Jesus of Nazareth, and you believed him to be the God that died on the cross, then you were immediately guilty of this, uh, this, this mass uh, punishment, I guess we could say. And then at that time, immediately, the, the, these people, they were running. They were hiding. They were afraid for their lives. Folks, these people, they were burned at the stake. Our people. They were set on fire at nighttime to light the streets of Rome. These were our people because of what they believed, because they followed after Christ. And Peter, he's looking at this. He's seeing it. This is his day. And then he writes this letter to these Christians. And folks, I want to tell you, knowing what's going on, you need the background to understand what he's saying. Knowing what's going on, I want you to read what Peter says and we're going to apply this here even to our own life. Chapter number one. So we see the Christians of that day, they are scattered. They are, they are, they are running for their lives. They are afraid. And Peter says in verse number one, Peter, meaning this is me, I'm writing it. He, and in this day, when they write a letter, they put their name first instead of at the end. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered, see they're scattered abroad, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. He's wanting them to have peace. He's wanting them to be at peace. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. He's trying to encourage these people. He wants them to have hope and peace. But we're going to be keying in right here, starting in verse number 6. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found into the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand the mood of what Paul is writing and what he's saying to these Christians that were 
facing an extremely, extremely dark day. Something that, that we've been privileged to never have to experience. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to understand and apply some of these things here even to our own lives. Lord, we love you and we thank you for it in your name. Amen. Folks, I want to tell you, we need to try the best that we can to identify what the Christians of these days. I want you to think to yourself. Yes, while we live in America and we have religious freedom, us, when America was founded over the past 200 years, these Christians here in our country, we have had it really, really good. I mean, from a historical standpoint, people that have claimed the name of Christ, they have not had an easy time. They have not had a good life. They have not had wonderful things. It's not been all just, you know, butterflies and rainbows for these guys. They have had their lives chased after. I mean, I want you to think about World War II. We went over and they saw the prison camps there for the Jewish people. You know, I realize those weren't, uh, you know, there were some theological differences there. But at the end of it, those that claim the name of Christ, it's never been an easy thing for those guys. And here's something else to, to think about. Peter, as he's writing this, he actually knows, one, there is already a price that's on his head. He's already been found guilty. He, he was one of the guys that traveled around with Christ. And now this Roman emperor, Nero, has condemned them all to be guilty already. We're not turned there, but if you look back at the last verses of John, Jesus actually told Peter, Peter, you're going you're to be a martyr, more or less. His death was already prophesied. Jesus had already told him, you're going to die a martyr's death. And he knew that. He was living with that. And now looking at the emperor of Rome and now looking at the, uh, the, the, the politi political climate of how much Christians were hated and, and how much they, they were being burned at the stake. And he's probably with his pen just writing, boy, it's just a matter of time. I don't have that much time left. And he starts his letter. Hey, hey, Christians, I know you're, you're scattered throughout the world right now, but I want you to have hope. Man, I want you to have peace because your salvation, it can't be taken away from you. Man, you, you can have peace in the Lord and you can have joy in the Lord. And he's lifting them up. But what I want us to see here these next few minutes is this kind of little, this little blip of a thought he puts here in verses number 6, 7, and 8. In verses number 6, 7, and 8, he talks about their trial. He talks about how they're being hunted. He talks about how they're grieved and how they're having a hard time. Look what he says in verse number 6. We'll start here again. I want you to see it. Wherein ye greatly rejoice. He's talking about their salvation, the things they have. You rejoice. Though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness. You're grieved. You're in heaviness through manifold temptations. So Paul, our first thing I want you to see is this. Excuse me, not Paul. Peter, he's showing us something here about the believers, what I'm going to call his temperament. You know, some of our attitudes about Christians. You know, there's, there's an idea that, boy, every time you see a Christian, you see him on TV, you see these guys, man, they're just, they're just smiling all the time. Man, they're happy. Life is good for these people. They're always just so chipper. Everything's always just, it's wonderful. Folks, I want to tell you, that's not, that's not always true. You know, there's, there's, some, there's an idea that, that Christians just, just, man, life's just great for these people. If they can just do things the way God has called them to, they're going to be happy all the time. I want to tell you, that's not what we see in the Scripture. 
Now, first, he tells us this. Christians do have something to be happy about. Make no mistake. We have something to be happy about. He says that in verse number five. One, we are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So two things. One, we can be happy that our salvation is kept by God himself. You know who saved us? God did. You know who keeps us saved? God does. Folks, the Lord's the one that done it. We didn't save ourselves, so it's not our job to keep ourselves saved. Folks, Jesus died on the cross. He paid the price for it. And since he's the one that bought us and paid for us, he's the one that keeps us for himself. And man, no matter what happens in this world, you know, if it ever gets so bad where we as Christians find ourselves in the same shoes as the Christians in Rome, if we find ourselves in the same shoes as the Jews during the Holocaust, if we find ourselves in those same shoes, yeah, it might be a bad day. But we still know at the end of it, we have a home in heaven waiting for us. We know we can never lose our salvation. That can never be taken away from us. So we have something we can be glad about even though we might still have a hard time. But look, the fact is, yes, we have something we can rejoice in. But folks, Christians can still have a heavy heart, which he shows us in verse number 6. Wherein ye greatly rejoice. See, that man, they're rejoicing over their salvation. But though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness. If need be, you're in heaviness. Now, this, this is where I think some Christians kind of, they get the wrong idea. And I've heard this thought. Maybe you've heard this before too. Oh, well, I'm just, I'm having a hard time. But boy, if I'm, if I'm not happy, that's just me not trusting in the Lord. Well, I think I understand what people are saying when they say that. But let me clarify something. There is a difference between being in grief and losing faith in what God is doing. You know, you can be grieved and still have faith in God. Let me give you an example. Jesus Christ himself, when it was coming down to his last days, he went out in the Garden of Gethsemane. He left his disciples here and then he told them there, you're going to stay here and you're going to pray. And then he went up in a place by himself to pray for a while. Folks, let me tell you, he was so overcome with his emotions. The Bible says that he began to sweat great drops of blood. Believe me, he was feeling some intense emotion. But that didn't mean that he lost hope in the Lord. We can be upset. We can have a hard time with something. But that doesn't mean we've lost faith in God. You know, there have been times where I've been at a loved one's funeral. And I've been grieved. I look at the, the friend, the family member, whoever it be there in the casket. And I'm just overcome with emotions and with grief. And, and that will cause us to cry. You know, we'll, we'll be upset. We'll be grieved. And, and it will hurt our heart. But that doesn't mean I've lost faith in God. It doesn't mean that, that I've given up on what God has told me. It just means I have a heavy heart. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit himself can be grieved. The Bible says grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, which means if I sin, I can grieve the Holy Spirit. So folks, there's nothing wrong with having a heavy heart. That happens. We can have grief. Folks, grief is, being part, is part of being a human. So, so don't be afraid of emotions. 
That's what we're getting at. Don't be afraid of having a hard time. Don't be afraid of letting life get you down. There are some Christians, they would say, Oh, man, life has just gotten me down. There's, now I must be out of God's will. No. That means you're human. Man, I'm just, I'm just so upset. I can't believe that I would find myself in this place. Lord, why am I here? And you might not lose faith, but hey, you're having a hard time? Yeah, you've got a pulse. That's part of being human. Life happens. Let me tell you, Peter was over here and they were hunting after his head. But he was still where God wanted him. He was still in the place God wanted him, even though they were seeking after his life. So here's what we understand. To be a Christian, yes, we have things we can be happy about. But that doesn't mean life is going to be full of just sunshine and rainbows all the time, every single day. That's not what that means. Folks, being a Christian just means that I have a home in heaven. I know what's at the end of my road. My road might get rocky. But I know it's at the end of it. The Lord has saved me. The Lord has forgiven me. So the believer, these Christians, they have emotions. But here's something else that I want you to see. We're going to get ready to see that the believers, they have trials. They have trials. Folks, right here in verse number 7, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, Though it be tried with fire, might be found under praise, honor, and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So Christians, they have trials. They face trials. Folks, there were some specific trials these Christians were going through. And I want to relate them to our trials today. Because, believe me, we have some. At this time, over here in Rome, we talked about it. Their trials were, if you were a Christian, you could be thrown in jail. If you were someone that claimed the name of Christ, you could be burned at the stake. If you preach the gospel of the Lord, boy, you were, if the government didn't find out about it, that someone could turn you in. You were hated by your countrymen. People didn't want to hear what you had to say. They didn't care anything about you. And furthermore, they wanted you dead. And so with that idea, imagine if that were us. Imagine if our, our government today, if they knew what we were doing here, the police would break down our door and they would put us in handcuffs and they would drag us away. Folks, there would be a lot of Christians. What they would be doing is they would be hiding. They would be out here in the mountains somewhere. They would be in the caves. They would be in their house. They would be hiding in their basement. They would be doing whatever they could to make sure that they weren't caught. Folks, that was a trial of their day. But I want you to think about the trials that we have today. While I might not be, my the consequences of what I believe might not be the same, I am going to be persecuted for the exact same thing. And, you know, I, I, I hate bringing politics into what the Bible is saying, but there's a political climate going on here. Think of this. If you preach what the Bible says, and I don't mean necessarily behind a pulpit, but if you believe what the Bible says, automatically you are against some fundamental things that our country is standing for today. If we were to stand up and say, and I know this was a big deal if you listen to any of the, uh, the, the Kavanaugh hearings. I mean, my goodness, this was a major one. They said, oh, where, where are you going to stand on abortion? Don't you believe that, that, that we ought to have these rights, that this is something that's entitled to us? And folks, if I were to look and if I were to stand, hey, the word of God says that life is sacred, that life is important, then immediately I'm going to get written off and they're going to say, oh, you're just, you're one of those religious buddy daddies. How dare you say anything about my rights as an American? And immediately we're going to be persecuted in that way. You know, they, they, want to, they want to keep the word of God silent. 
They don't want to bring it up. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to hear it. They would rather have their rights. They would rather do the things they want to do. And folks, as Americans, we have sacrificed our own children on the God of self-pleasure. That's what's happened in America. And if we stand up saying, thus saith the Lord God, then we're going to get made fun of for it. We might not get passed and you know, put in prison, but I can guarantee you someone that stands up and says something like that, they'll never be elected to office. They'll never be looked at. They'll never be respected. They'll never, they'll never be looked at as someone that's intelligent, that's intellectual. Why? Because they stand on some kind of book that was written over a thousand years ago. Why, why, would, why would we listen to someone like that? Oh, they say the things that I want to do. They say that's sin. They say that, uh, that, that, that God's against this thing. Well, well, he is. Folks, we stand up for the word of God, then we'll be persecuted for it. Listen, there are people... That because they stand up for what they believe in, which is on God's word, they have lost their job. They have lost their family members. They have lost their friends. I don't know if you remember it. There was a man in, I wish I could remember what state it was. It was somewhere in the southeast. Maybe some of you guys remember. He was a fire chief for years and years. And he was a man that, he, he believed in the Lord. He studied the things of God. And he wrote a book about the sanctity of marriage between one man and one woman. And he wasn't trying to be political. It wasn't even anything that he gave to his fireman buddies. He just wrote this book and said, hey, I think this is something that would help my country. The town found out about it and they kicked him out of the office dishonorably because he stood up for what he believed in. Folks, he lost his job. And he was made a laughingstock of our country because he stood up for what the Bible said. Folks, I might not lose my head, literally, as they did in Rome, but I stand to lose things because of, if I believe what God's word teaches me. We might stand to lose things and we will face trials. Folks, I want to tell you this. And this is, this is not a grand part of being a Christian. But you know what the Bible says in Luke? It says, but woe, as in take heart, look out, be careful when all men start to speak well of you. It says, woe when all men speak well of you. Think of this. If I as a preacher, if all of America is looking at me and saying, oh man, we just love that guy. He is just so great. He is just so wonderful. That means I'm doing something wrong. If everyone thinks that what I say is just so great and so wonderful, that probably means I'm doing something wrong. Jesus Christ himself, they hated him for what he preached. They hated him for what he teached. The Bible calls him a man of sorrows. That was Christ himself. Folks, what we stand up for, what we believe in in the word of God is not something that's going to be popular. It's not something that's going to be wonderful. And it might cost us some things. But here's the great part about that. And this is what I wanted to get to. I love this part. So we might get made fun of. We might have trials. Look what Peter said in verse number 7. That the trial of your faith, right? What we're being faced with because of what we believe. The trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire. Folks, that trial that they were facing, these, these Christians over here in Rome, they were being put to death, they were being burned, that were on the lamb because they were running for their life. Peter looks at these guys and says, hey, the trial that you're facing because of what you believe, 
That's more precious than even gold is. And they're probably sitting over there hiding in their basement thinking, okay, come again now, Peter. You want to tell me this is a good thing? You want to tell me I'm on the run for my life because this is a good thing? Peter, you want to tell me that because I lost my job because I believe the Bible, that's a good thing? Peter, you want to tell me that I get made fun of for what I believe and that's a good thing? Peter says, yeah. Let me show you why. The trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold. Look at what it says about gold. You know, it, excuse me, though it be tried with fire, it's pure gold, it's good. But your trial, watch this, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So what he's saying is this. More or less, Christian, you have two options. Those Christians out there, they had two options. They could either stand for what they believed in, face their trial head on, stick it out with the Lord, and be hunted down for their life. Or they could go with the flow of everyone else and everything would be okay. They might be able to keep their job. They might be able to keep their friends, keep their family, keep their position, whatever. But the rewards were very, very different. So these guys over here, if they kept silent, if they didn't name the name of Christ, if they just went with the flow, if they renounced what they believed, sure, they might have been able to keep the coins in their pocket. But one day they would have had to face the Lord God Almighty and give an answer for what they did. And they would have to be on their knees before the Lord knowing that they could have spoke the truth, but they decided to live for the few moments of ease that they had here. But Peter says, instead, if you face your trial, man, you stick it out, you go through the trial, you go through this hard time, one day you're going to be before the Lord and you're going to be rewarded by God in heaven because of that trial that you faced. You're going to be there before the Lord and the Lord's going to look at you and he's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You stood up for me. You stood up for what you believed in. You stood up for my word. I mean, you stuck it out. Folks, these folks, these Christians over in Rome that were persecuted for it, one day they're going to be before the God of heaven and the God's going to be pleased with what they did. So while, yeah, right now that trial is pretty difficult, for all of eternity they're going to live with the choice that they made. For all of eternity, we're going to live with the choices that we make. So let me tell you, I would rather go ahead and lose my job for the next few years standing up for what I believe in and live for all eternity having pleased my God in heaven. That's what Paul is saying. Excuse me, that's what Peter is saying. Peter is saying that trial, man, it can be found more precious than even gold. There's a treasure there. Folks, the Lord would grant us that in person. Look, might be found at the praise and honor and glory of the appearing of Jesus Christ. Folks, that's something that could never be taken away. It could never be taken away. So we can have temporary good from mankind or we can have eternal rewards from the Lord. That fireman I told you about. I look forward one day to when I get to heaven. I'd like to meet this guy. And I'd like to be there and watch him receive his reward for losing his job. That reward that he gets to keep in heaven for all of eternity. I'd like to be there. I'd like to see that. And then I walk up to that man and say, hey, Mr. Fireman, was it worth it? 
And he'd be sitting there grinning from ear to ear and he'd say, oh yeah, it was worth it. People made fun of me for a little while, but it was worth it. Folks, this is what I want us to understand. Here in our day and time, sure, politically, things are different. We're not in Rome. We're in America. But as Christians, if you preach and teach the Word of God, if you say what you believe about the Word of God, you'll get made fun of. But I promise you it's worth it. It's more precious than the gold is that you'll one day die without anyway. It's more precious than anything else this world has to offer. It's more precious than the praise of man. It's more precious than our jobs, than having good friends and having you know, good fellowship with some people around us. Because I want to please my Lord and my Savior. Folks, our trials are precious. Verse number 7, and we'll close with this. That the trials of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, Man, it passeth away. Though it be tried with fire, that gold is. But your trial is going to be, might be found unto praise, honor, and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So folks, here's the three things I want us to take away from this, and we're done. Number one, believers face hard times. It's okay to have a grieved heart. It's, it's not a sin to have, to have hard times. It's not, it's not bad to be upset over things. These Christians, they were grieved. Man, they had a heavy heart. If I knew that there is my face out here with a wanted poster on it, yeah, I would have a pretty heavy heart. That, that wouldn't make me feel good. But it doesn't mean I have to lose faith in the Lord. So Christians, they face those things. And folks, we understand that we also are going to face trials face trials of our faith. What we believe in, it's going to be tested. If things continue the way they are, folks, it seems like year after year, the things of God, the things of the Bible, they become more and more and more ridiculed. They become more and more made fun of. They become more and more something to laugh at than they do something to stand on. And over the next few years, things are just going to get worse and worse. And if we stand up for what we believe, and if we continue to stand on the word of God, we're going to face persecution for it. Doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to be thrown in jail. But you know what? It might cost me some things. But at the end of it, number three was this. That trial, it's really going to be a treasure. It's going to be something I'm going to be rewarded for. It's something that I can look at from eternity on, and I can be... I can be rewarded for it because I gave up this temporary pleasure because I looked at that and I was given glory and honor from the Lord God in heaven. Folks, I wonder, are we willing to face our trials or would, be, would we be someone that says, oh, I can't say what I really believe. Hey, if I, if I actually say what God's word says about that, whew, they might make fun of me. They might think, you know, I might lose that promotion I've been looking for. You know, I might, I, might, I might lose this friend. He might not talk to me anymore. Boy, what, what would my family think of me if I, if I say that I believe this because the Bible tells me that? You know, we might be made fun of, but that's okay. Let's face our trial head on and forget the reward here that's temporary. Let's look at the reward that God's going to have for us in eternity. So if we could, we'll have every head bowed and let's have every eye closed. And folks, as we always say, we'll just have this brief moment of invitation. Let's ask the Lord to help us that no matter what we're faced with, that we will face our trial of our faith. That we'll stand on our faith, no matter what it costs us. 
that just as the Christians did that came before us, that we'll stand up believing the word of God even today. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to stand firm as, as Peter was saying here in this passage. Lord Peter, he said that we ought to look at our trials and Lord, consider them a treasure. Consider them precious. Lord, I know that's something difficult to do. But I ask that you would give us, Lord, give us the strength to do so. Folks, with every head bowed and with every eye closed, here just for a minute, I want to give us some opportunity to business with the Lord. Is there maybe someone you know that disagrees with the word of God? Are you afraid of maybe what they would think if you told them you believed it? Hey, that's a trial. Face it for the glory of God. Are you afraid maybe of losing some kind of promotion or some kind of opportunity because of what you believe? Hey, it's just a temporary trial. Count it precious. Thank God for the opportunity. Maybe just this morning you need to ask the Lord to give you the strength should that time ever come. I've often wondered if I was a Christian in Rome, would I be one of the ones that continued to stand on what I believed in the Word of God? Would I continue to preach the name of Jesus even if it would cost me my life? Pray that I would. Our Father, we love you. And again, Lord, we just want to praise your name and thank you for all that you do for us. Lord, we think back to what was going on here with these early Christians in Rome in that day. Lord, and how hated they were. And Lord, Peter said that was precious. Lord, there are people even today in our time, while we might not face these physical things, Lord, there are people that hate us. There are people that hate your word. There are people that hate the truths in it. But Lord, I pray that even so, that you would help us to stand firm on what you have taught us. Lord, help us to have our faith in you above all things. Lord, again, we love you. I pray that you would bless us now as we get ready to go our separate ways. And, and Lord, help us to look for opportunities to serve you at every hand. We love you, Lord. For it's in your name we pray and in your name we ask these things. Amen. We'll be doing some.